Amen. All right. You guys good? Thank you, Lord. So um, I want to get back to this message that the Lord, I started back in, uh, this is my holiday message. First, part one's Memorial Day weekend. Part two was Father's Day weekend, and here we are on the 4th of July holiday weekend. So uh, this is part three, and uh, I entitled this Sit, Walk, Stand, The Path of Peace in Trying Times. You know, and how many know we're in pretty trying times right now as a nation, as individuals, as a lot of families going through trying times, but there is peace. And uh, we were singing about that earlier, singing about receiving God's peace. And I just felt that so strongly in my spirit is there's so, there's so much in the body of Christ right now, in the church, there's so many people struggling with just that one thing, to gain the peace of God in your heart. In your mind, you know, how many people know that battle? To just, um, just find that peace. And uh, I feel like Paul, I mean, remember when Paul wrote this letter, he was rotten in a prison cell. I mean, how much worse could it get? He's sitting in jail, and he's writing this letter. And so, sit, walk, stand are the three spiritual positions that we take in our lives on that pathway to peace. Are you guys with me on that? So today's... Uh, the last segment is on stand, and being the 4th of July holiday, I was thinking about some of the great military stands that have been taken in history, and there's all kinds of different ones, but uh, one of my favorites I wanted to mention to you real quick, and I know Dean will appreciate this one, um, you know, it was 237 years our birthday uh, this past Thursday, July 4th, from 1776, but 85 years after 1776, um, was 1861 when brother fought against brother, of course, right? And uh, in one of the, I think it was the first major conflict, there was Lieutenant General Thomas E. Jackson who rose to prominence and earned his most famous nickname at the First Battle of Bull Run or the First Manassas on July the 21st, 1861. As the Confederate lines began to crumble under heavy Union assault, Jackson's brigade provided crucial reinforcements on Henry House Hill, demonstrating the discipline he instilled in his men. Brigadier General Bernard B. Jr. exhorted his own troops to reform by shouting, Hey, there's Jackson standing like a stone wall. Let us determine to die here and we will conquer. Rally behind the Virginians. So what was Jackson doing? He was standing. He was standing like a stone wall. And this is what Paul says in Ephesians 6. Now, having done all, do what? Stand. So turn to Ephesians 6, if you will. But actually, go to Ephesians 2. And let's just uh, refresh our memory here of where we've been. Uh, I really feel like the Lord, this is a really now word for us. So let's look, first of all, at um, sit, the sit and walk. Sitting. Being seated with Christ is our spiritual position right this second in Christ. And here's what he says, Ephesians 2, 4. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he has loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved, and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So what does it mean to sit with Christ in heavenly places? It means that everything He has is available to you and I. 
right now. That's where our spiritual home is. That's where our spiritual position is. And one day, this physical body will be reunited with that spiritual position. But spiritually, we are there. That is the place from which we live. It's that bird's eye view. It's that taking a trip in the airplane and you look down and suddenly the house and cars are all that small. In just the same way on the problems in our life, when you look at it from God's perspective, it ain't nearly as large a giant as it looked like here in this perspective, right? So sitting with Christ in heavenly places is where we're meant to start. That's the key. Without starting there, our perspective is a little bit messed up. Or a lot bit messed up, actually. Let's move on. The next scripture is in uh, Ephesians 4. It says this, I therefore, the prisoner, again, it's Paul speaking, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. So sit is our spiritual position in Christ. Walk is where the spiritual intersects with our natural life, our everyday, right? You're sitting, seated with Christ in heavenly places. Now it's time to walk it out. And so Paul goes on through there and he gives real practical thing about marriage, about children and parents and employers, employees, all that kind of stuff. The practical everyday thing. Don't you love that about the Bible? Is it's all, it's not, it's, it, it intersects with our practical lives. And, uh, and uh, then um, one of the things too in Ephesians 5, just real quickly, Ephesians 5, 1, it says there, this, Therefore be imitators of God as dear children, and walk in love, as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us. So that's the first thing. How do you walk? You walk in love. Number two was from Ephesians 5, 8. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the world. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. So walk in love, walk in light, and then finally was walk in wisdom. And this is from Ephesians 5.15. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Therefore do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. So walk aware, be circumspectly. You know, in, back in Chronicles, I think it's Second Chronicles, there was this tribe in Israel, and it says that the, that the men of Issachar understood the times and knew what? They knew what they should do. They knew what they ought to do. So part of our struggle right now is, number one, we're trying to understand the times in which we live. And then number two, practically, we're trying to understand, then what should we do, Lord? You know, what do, we, what do I do in my everyday life? And then in the lives of the people around me, how do I impact their lives in a positive way? What do I do about that? Because things don't work even the way they, today that they did ten years ago. Amen? <laughs> Unfortunately, but fortunately, I guess whichever way you look at it, the glass is half empty or half full. It's just not the same world that it used to be. So, Lord, what, what do I do? Well, I think this is a big key to the answer. Number one, Matthew, I'm preaching. Isn't it funny when you start a series, it's like, oh, God, I thought I just got to talk about this. I didn't know that I was going to actually have to live this out. Well, I did. I'm joking. But, I mean, honestly, just to be quite transparent, the last week has been extremely challenging. Let's just put it this way. Sarah and I have totally had to go, okay, we need to stand. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's all related to 
the other half of what I do as a teacher, you know, kind of in between in that area again. And uh, that doesn't feel all that comfortable. How many people know what I'm talking about? When you're trying to figure out, okay, Lord, talk about practical. We're talking about providing for the family, you know, paying the bills. Just what do I do now? Wait. Wait patiently on me. Walk and stand. It's not easy to do, is it? But I really feel like that in the trying times in your life, and even in the good times, this is really, a, a, it's not a formula, but it's a key. It's something, it's why it's in the Bible in, Gal- in Ephesians. Um, so walking in wisdom, the one with all wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. And this is all, I've been going through the Proverbs a lot recently, you know, all about wisdom and understanding and knowledge. That one lives inside of you, right? That one. So you need an answer? He's the answer. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. He lives inside of us right now. And, you know, I was thinking when Steve was leading us to pray through healing and stuff, you know, there's that whole struggle between where do you put your focus? Do you put your focus on the natural facts or do you put your focus on the truth? The truth, right, Pam? The facts are the facts. They're on this natural perspective, this timeline that we live on, right? They're the facts. They look you in the face. But it's not the ultimate reality, is it? He is the truth. He is the light. He's the truth. We go to Him, so what does that have to do? Well, that's, that's being seated with Christ, in other words. We're seated with truth right there. He's right inside of us, right beside of us, however you want to say it, using English words. That is where we're at. So I want to just give you three things here about um, standing. And this isn't so much a message about spiritual warfare as it could be, but it's more a message of how do you stand practically? You know, once you get the idea of being seated with Christ, how do I stand? You know, where does that come into play? And uh, let's go to Ephesians 6.10. Ephesians 6.10 and... Paul's wrapping it up here in his letter to this church. He says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. It's not your power, is it? It's not my power. Yeah, we're tempted to want to try to, try to muster up our own power, our own strength, aren't we? aren't we? But it's His power, Kaya, working in you, right? So be strong in that. Put on the full armor of God. So that you can take your what? Your stand against the devil's schemes. I got the NIV here. Is that what? Yeah, okay. I want to make sure you're reading the same translation. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. Just like Stonewall Jackson, you might be able to stand your ground when the forces are coming against you, when everybody else wants to turn tail and run, when people are, 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 are lacking, they're, they're consumed with fear, and they're like, they're looking at just the natural facts. 
their whole perspective of, okay, yeah, I'm trying to trust God. And, and hey, I'm not judging because I know that struggle. We all do. But having done all, after everything, to stand your ground. And he says, after you've done everything, again, I say to stand. And, you know, in terms of the uh, full armor of God, I heard Bill Johnson say recently, somebody said to him, so, Bill, did you put on the full armor of God today? He goes, no, I never took it off. <laughs> I thought that was pretty good. You know, it's always there. No need to put it on. It hasn't gone anywhere. The full armor of God. But, um, so the full armor of God helping us stand against that. And that's, I'm not going to get into the armor today. That's not the purpose of this. But I just want to give you kind of three things about standing. Number one, standing requires having your spiritual priorities in order. Standing requires having your spiritual priorities in order. And uh, let me just read what I wrote here. You can't walk properly until you first sit, as I've already established. And you can't stand effectively against the adversary, against the enemy, until you've walked out what was given to you from your seated position in heavenly places. If you get this out of order you're going to get your brains bashed by the enemy. <laughs> Just to say it bluntly. That mental battle is going to be almost, well, could be too much to bear. Or at least almost too much to bear. Why? Because you, what you're trying to walk in is something you've come up with. How many people have ever done that? You come up with some really good ideas. Honey, I've got a plan. Well, that's a great plan if it came from heaven. But if it's just my plan, like a new teaching job, I can get out there and beat the bushes, and I'm not saying I shouldn't do that. And, but first, I need to sit. I need to sit with the one with all wisdom and knowledge, the one with all understanding, the one who knows me inside and out, who knows my, the beginning from the end, who this problem, it, it didn't catch him by surprise, did it? We all know that theologically, but in the moment, it's hard to live that, that it didn't catch God by surprise. So whatever your battle is today, whatever your enemy is, number one, remember, the enemy is just about this big in God's eyes. I mean, from heaven's perspective, again, imagine that airplane ride, and you look down on even something that was 18 foot tall, from that perspective, it's like, ooh, maybe just a speck of dust. In comparison, that's how big God is, and that's how big His promises is are over you and I's lives. Do you believe that? Good. Let's see if you believe it on Monday morning. <laughs> now, here's a question I thought of. So, sit, walk, stand. Do these three postures happen simultaneously, or are they seasons in our lives? Because I've heard people talk about them in in different ways, and I think my conclusion is, yes. Yes, they're, they're both. Because in order for me to fight effectively, and this is kind of getting ahead to my next point, I fight actually from a very bizarre position. I fight from a place of rest. So I can't take my stand against the enemy and, and back up before that and walk out my life unless I've been, see, been sitting with Christ in heavenly places from my spiritual perspective, in my heart, if you will. 
So in that regard, they all kind of intertwine simultaneously, don't they? But at the same time, you've got to consider the, the history of your life. There's those times where God just says, wait patiently now on the Lord. You know, just come away with me. Just take this season just to sit with me. You know, and fortunately, having a couple of months off this summer, you know, I've been able to do that somewhat. So that's kind of a season thing, right? Then there comes a day where God says, now it's a season. You're really going to walk out these plans I've given you. Like Dean wrote this book on finances. Now, there came a time where now it's time to actually sit down and write, Dean. You know, that's the practical, right? Intersecting with the spiritual vision that God gave Dean for this idea. But then, now it's time to stand and like sell the books. (laughs) Which I imagine can be somewhat difficult, right, at times. And so you're just kind of standing in faith. Like, okay, God, I know you gave me this vision. I know you gave me the energy and the time or whatever to write it. Now I'm going to stand on your word. You know, so then that can be a season then where it's already done or you've walked through something. So I think really it comes out to be both of those. So the first thing was standing requires having our priorities in order in that regard. Number two, and again, I already got ahead of myself, but standing begins from rest a seated position. And honestly, what is it, Hebrews 10, that talks about the Sabbath rest? One of those chapters in Hebrews. It's just a picture from the Old Testament. That rest is the place, actually, that we find everything. Again, back to my other message, your day begins at midnight. Your day begins while you're resting not when you actually get up to start your day. Everything in our lives should come from a place of rest. So let me just encourage you, like me, if you get into that striving from time to time, just resist that thought. Resist that thing. It's all by God's grace. Just sit with Him. He'll tell you the time, the place. He'll give you, if you want to call it marching orders, the walking orders to start walking it out. But everything begins from rest. I wrote this down. We fight from a seated position. Our battle is unique because our enemy technically has already been defeated. Amen? Has the enemy been defeated or not? Yeah, he's already been defeated at the cross. Jesus already paid the price for everything. Everybody say everything. For everything. Therefore, our battle is not really against the devil. Our battle is to keep our own hearts and minds focused on the victory that Christ has already won. Isn't that really the battle? So then why did Paul say it's against principalities and powers? Because their assignment is just that, to try to keep your heart focused off of the victory that Christ already won at the cross. Realizing that the devil is a puny, defeated foe full of lies. He talks a big game, but he's really just blowing smoke. (laughs) I hope somebody's getting something out of this. I know I am, because I really needed this message this morning. Thank you, Matthew, for preaching that message. You're welcome. 
I really needed to hear this. I was meditating over this at bedtime last night. And I was like, man, I told Sarah, I was like, I really need to read these scriptures that I'm getting ready to preach tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, because Monday morning comes for me too. You know? But the truth is, he really is a defeated foe. That's why I love to gather with you guys. It's so much, it's such a privilege to come here with all my friends on Sunday mornings and celebrate just that fact, right? Just that fact. In this world, we've got pain. We've got heartache. We've got sorrow. We've lost people. But man, that's not the end of the story. <laughs> you know, That is not the end of the story. There is victory at every turn. I feel led to just to read this again. Our battle is unique because our enemy has already been defeated. Therefore, our battle is not really against the devil. Our battle is to keep our own hearts and minds focused on the victory that Christ has already won, realizing that the devil is a puny, defeated foe full of lies. Listen to these passages from Colossians. I think I put them up there. Colossians 1.13 He has delivered you, let's make it personal, He's delivered you, or us, from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love. Now, is that past or present? Tense. Past. He's already done it. Right? So that's where we're at right this moment. He's already conveyed us from the power of darkness. There's no darkness that can touch us. And conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of His love in whom we have redemption through His blood. The forgiveness of sins. If you need forgiveness this morning, you're in the right place, baby. <laughs> it's right here, just like Chuck said. Just receive forgiveness and get forgiveness. That's the kingdom of His love. That's what the kingdom of His love looks like. It's a place of forgiveness. So come to the cross this morning. Come to the Father's table. He's a Father full of love, grace, and mercy. He wants you to sit with Him. And if you haven't been, that's okay. Start today. You know, give Him that place in your heart. Here's another good one in Colossians. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Now here's where it gets practical. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. So there's the truth versus the natural facts, right? Set your mind on truth, not on the facts. For you died, past tense, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. We're hidden in Christ, guys. We're hidden. The enemy cannot touch us in Christ. We're hidden in Him. When Christ... This is good meditation stuff, isn't it, Pam? I know, it helps me. When Christ, who is our life, appears, this is in the future, then you also will appear with Him in glory. I'm looking forward to that time. It's a little unnerving, if I'm going to be totally honest. But I'm excited about it at the same time. We'll be with Him in glory. But in the meantime, we've already died because we're in Christ. 
And just like we baptized five people last Sunday, or was it six? I don't know. They kept coming out of the woodwork to get baptized. You know, that's just such an awesome event to bury people with Christ in baptism. You know, it's literally like in a time warp to 2,000 plus years ago when Jesus was put into the grave. And then it gets, then there's the glory, the shared glory of Christ when that person comes up out of the water in a resurrection life and resurrection power. Be reminded of that this morning. Okay, so let me recap. Standing requires having your spiritual priorities in order. Number two, standing standing begins from rest, a seated position. And number three, and okay, here you go, Matthew. Standing will require courage. Standing will require courage. Thank God for the people who ran in, as Byron talked about a few weeks ago, at the Boston Marathon bombing. You know, the people who ran in as soon as the explosions happened. The courage of men and women and the first responders and all these different things happening in our world. You know, the plane crash yesterday and all these different, these different uh, horrendous events and, and stuff. The people who have the courage to, when everything is falling apart, literally to stand. And to, and to walk right in and, and to minister the, the peace of God even to people in terrible situations in our world, in our lives, if we're really serious about this, it's going to require courage. And I heard somebody recently say that the Old Testament equivalent of the book of Ephesians, so if you've been reading through Ephesians recently, you might want to try this other book, is the book of Joshua in the Old Testament. Is the book of Joshua. So just remember, let me refresh your memory. You know, um, the children of Israel have just been through 40 years of wandering in the wilderness, still yet to pass over the Jordan into the promised land. All right, and so that's where Joshua 1.1 picks up. Let me just read these few verses. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan into the land I am about to give them to them to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Let's just claim that one. <laughs> Let me just stop right there. Lord, do this for us. We just declare that every place that you call, you've ordained our steps, that you call for our foot to travel, you've given us that place for, the, for your kingdom, for the kingdom of light, for the kingdom of love. God, we pray at every place, our job, our workplaces, our schools, our homes, Lord, every place that even we go in our natural lives, that your light would just shine through us, God, that your love would overshadow people. So this is a practical picture in the Old Testament given to us today for spiritual application. Let's keep going here. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon. Remember the prayer of Jabez? Extend my territory. And from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. And that's exactly where you are today. No one can stand against you. As we've seen, we're in Christ. As I was with Moses, 
so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. The last verse. But it's going to require something, isn't it? Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give to them. Have you ever thought about why you were born when you were? I mean, think about that. Like you could have been, God could have destined for you to be born at any time during the history of the world. But He chose now. He chose for you and I to be born for such a time as this. You know, and, and I take courage from Joshua's story because you got to think, I mean, he was just a guy like us, him and Moses for that matter. And so the Lord was coming to him and saying, listen, basically, here's how I read it. I had in my sovereign plan, Joshua, for you to be born when you were. I had in my plan for you to lead these people. That's what he's telling them here. Now, here's what I require from you. Sit with me. Walk with me and be of good courage. Be strong and courageous. You know, we could be one of the last generations. We're living in the best of times and the worst of times, as we've heard said so many times. We're living in a, uh, on the surface, according to the facts, kind of a scary hour. But yet, if His kingdom will know no ends, if, his, if the, the price has already been paid and the battle has already been won, as we've established, then there is a lot of exciting things yet to happen kingdom-wise. Is there not? Who wants to sign up for that? Like, <laughs> you have! Because not only that, like me, if you're, at least if you're a part of the 1973 generation and on, you're a Holocaust survivor. You know, because our, parent, our moms could have chosen to abort us. You know, but by the grace of God, they didn't. So we're Holocaust survivors. I've survived. 54 and a half million of my generation have not. So just because of that fact, I have a, an intense sense of calling and destiny on my life. And I have no clue how it's going to work out. <laughs> no, no foggy idea. And just when I think that I'm going to figure it out, like, oh man, there's a bend in the road. You know what I'm saying? You're like, wow, I didn't see that coming. <laughs> What's that all about? And that's where the Lord just very gently, just like a loving father does, says, hey, be strong and courageous. For I'll never leave or forsake you. I'm going to be with you. Everywhere your foot travels, you're going to see victory. Yeah, there's enemies in the land. Because you know the story in Joshua. He's go, he takes them across. They face lots of battles and lots of enemies and lots of giants literally in their day. There are lots of giants in our world that we live in. But anyway, I'm not going to go through Joshua. But think about the reports. Think about the spiritual eyes that the spies had. You know, Because the next story in Joshua 2 and 3 I think is about going into Rahab's house at Jericho you know, and coming back. Galatians 5, Paul wrote to another church in his first letter, actually. Well, how, how then do we stand? How do we stand? Let me start with Galatians 5. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm, then, and do not let yourselves. Everybody say, do not let yourself. 
Okay, do not let yourself what? Do not let yourself be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Oh, what do you mean by that, Paul? Mark my words. I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, in other words, in our application, get into figuring it out yourself. If you get into out of grace, you get into working it all out and your own self-effort, okay, in place of circumcised, thank God, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Christ will be of no value. You mean there's Christians that really Christ isn't of no value? Well, I think in practical purposes, yes. For walking out their lives. It's as if Christ is of no value, in other words, because they're doing it all themselves in their own strength. And this is his warning. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself to figure it out that he is obligated to obey the whole law. Oh my, I don't want to do that. You who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit we eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. I love that. We eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope, for which we're certain, really, is what that means. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is what? Faith expressing itself through love. Faith expressing itself through love. So how do you stand? You stand by grace. That's how you stand. Get through your bad moments. Shed your tears. Get mad at your spouse just a little bit or whatever. You know, in other words, with the person you trust, go ahead and vent. Let those things, I think it's healthy to let those things out. But then, don't try to do it yourself. Don't try to figure it out. Let God do it for you and in you. Just like from last time, those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. They'll mount up on wings like eagles. They'll walk and not grow weary. They'll run and not grow faint. Right? Wait on Him because He's going to do it. So that's number one. And how do you stand? Number two and how do you stand is stand, as we've already mentioned, in Christ. Stand in Him. Completely established. If you don't have revelation on that, get revelation on it. <laughs> Read all the Scriptures about being rooted and grounded in Christ because that's really where it's at. He is our Daddy. He is our Papa. It's in Him. It's at His table. It's in His house. This is a great one that Sarah shared with me. Philippians 4.6. I know a lot of you know this one. And this is the one actually I was meditating on at bedtime. Here we go. You ready? Be anxious for nothing. <laughs> but in everything, by prayer and, and supplication, with thanksgiving, there's a key ingredient. Don't forget the thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. And then what's going to happen? The peace of God. Right? Remember what I said at the beginning? That's what we're looking at. It's the pathway to peace. Sit, walk, stand. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding. Man, how did I get this peace? You know, I remember I had a friend once who lost his mama when he was, uh, I think, 13, 12 or 13 years old. His mom suddenly died. And uh, I, it was my, um, I think, my second week on the job as a youth pastor. Welcome to the ministry. 
you know, call in the middle of the night. This lady has just died, you know. <laughs> anyway, besides me, though, I remember this young man's testimony, and still his testimony to this day is, for some reason, this is what he said to me, for some reason, Matthew, I cannot explain this, but I just had peace. As a very young man, a preteen, young teenager, I had peace through it all. And I can't even explain I really shouldn't have had peace. My mom just died. But I had peace through it all. That's the peace that's beyond understanding. You just can't figure that one out, you know, which surpasses all understanding. And here's what that peace, here's what's so powerful about it. It is how you stand because it will guard your heart and your mind through Christ Jesus. It's like that armor. It's a guard, that peace that goes on, our, on us to protect us. And then he says, now finally, brethren, he's saying this to the Philippian church, here's what you do then. You focus on the things that are true, that are truth, remember we talked about that. The things that are noble, don't, those aren't on the evening news. <laughs> the things that are just, the things that are pure, whatever the things that are lovely and things are of good report, if there is any virtue if there is anything praiseworthy, what should you do? You should meditate on these things. When you go to bed at night, you need to pick those out. Like for me, I need to think about the $3,500 debt cancellation. Because trust me, I, was, I have plenty of other debts you know, <laughs> that are staring me in the face, right? But I'm not going to focus on figuring out that one. I'm going to meditate at night as I'm going to sleep on this one. I'm going to meditate on these things. And when I get up in the morning or at 4 a.m., you know, the classic wake up in the middle of the night trying to figure your life out thing, I'm going to meditate on the things that are praiseworthy, that are good and virtuous. I hope this is helping somebody. All right. So you stand by grace. You stand in Christ. And three, you stay positive. You stand by staying positive. That can be easier said than done, isn't it? And honestly, this sound, may, I, I don't know how to say this the right way because it sounds a little cheesy, but make positive confessions over your life. You know, last summer I was going through the same kind of transition in my teacher part of my life. It was like I literally would get up in the morning and say, thank you, Lord, I am blessed and highly favored. I'm the first and not the I, I thank you, God, that you've just, by your grace, not anything I've done. You put favor on my life. I know when I'm going to walk into a room that there's automatic favor because of you in me, Lord. I know that when I sit down for that job interview, there's favor on me. I mean, I'm literally saying these things or praying them. Sometimes I'm literally saying them to myself in the mirror. And, you know, it's just something about that, you know. It's just something about that that does something on the inside. It's that optimism. It's that positivity. It's that thing of just encouraging yourself. And how many people love when a friend comes up to you and puts an arm around you and gives you an encouraging word? I got two of those this morning, actually. That was awesome. Thank you, ladies, for doing that. Those that did that. I needed it. It was really the Lord. You know? And then the other thing, too, in, in terms of positive confession, and this can be hard to do, is celebrate with other people when they get the breakthrough. Have you ever been in that position? Where it's like, man, you just really need, like, let's say you need a job. You just really need this job, and it's just not happening so far. 
And then like John over here, he just got like a better job, making like 50,000 more. The church is like, yeah! You know, they're like, praise God! You know, they're dancing, celebrating. And you're over here like, what about me, God? I'm blessed and highly favored. I'm the first and not the last. Really, you don't believe that because you're not John. I get that. That's hard. You know, but I found this by the grace of God that when I can celebrate, when I can celebrate with all of my heart, and be like, all right, for John, if it happened for John, do it again for me, Lord. I know you, it's coming, Lord. I know the breakthrough is just around the corner. You know, just really celebrate. And I, I just want to say, as us as a family, as a community, that's really what we want to do is just, we want to hear your reports. You know, please email them to me. Put them on our Facebook page. I'll get them out to everybody on email so we can celebrate with you. We want to rejoice in all that God's done because really if He does it for one of us, He does it for all of us. Amen? Yeah. Uh, this, can, this is a really fun thing to do. I just really encourage you to do this. I mean, because when you're contending for something, you'll find that it really does the person right next to you. It's like God gives you the opportunity. It's almost like, oh, God, this is my opportunity. This is my opportunity before it, I see it in my life to celebrate yeah. who you are. This is who you are. It's celebrating who he is. It's celebrating that he's a healer. It's celebrating that he's a provider. And it's really fun. And you can, if you are one that you're looking for that, what you can say is, oh, I really know how awesome this is in your life. Like, I can really celebrate with you because I know, because I'm there. And I want to see it in my life, but I really know so I can celebrate the best of any of your friends. I'm going to be your really good friend. And I'm really going to celebrate with you. We're going to have a party. We're just going to dance. And we're going to be so excited. Because I know how much of a victory this is and how awesome God is. So I just want to encourage you guys. It's looking for those opportunities to celebrate with one another. It's one of the most fun things about being a family and having one another to stand with each other is to celebrate with one another and to just rejoice in what God is doing and not focusing all on what you don't see right now, but focusing on what He is, and it's exciting, and it will release joy. It'll, yeah. That rejoicing will come up. I'm telling you, I've experienced this really fun. Yeah, and like, my job's not taking to me, me to Milan, but Sherry's is. You know, so I was really excited for you, Sherry, that you were in Milan, Italy. You know, that's amazing. And Pam, I heard this week on um, on K-Love, you know, the radio station, this lady called in and she said that a woman with a, t a, breast, a tumor in her breast, breast cancer, had come to their church. The, she was a member of the church. Had come to their church and they laid hands on her, anointed her with oil and prayed. And she went back for... Um, uh, let's see, she went back for the surgery. Anyway, I can't remember the whole long and short of it, but she went back, and they were going to do the surgery, and the tumor was gone. They could not find it. You know, this was reported, like, on the radio station. And I, when I heard that, I was like, yes, you know, do it again, Lord. And, 
you know, just praying for you, you know, and so the Lord's doing that. Yeah, it's gone. That's right. That's the truth. Wow. She said they say when they look for it, they can hardly find it. So, amen. Thank you for the victory, Lord. Yeah. The last, here's the last scripture, too, is um, believe in the favor and blessing of the Lord. Believe in the favor and the blessing of the Lord. I love this, and you've heard it from me probably in multiple um, messages, but this is Psalm 2714. Psalm 2714. I love this, because if you think about David's life, Man, he was in a fix so many times, wasn't he? I mean, they was trying to kill the boy. He was out there on the run like um, a fugitive. And here's what he said at the end of maybe a really hard day is the way I imagine it. He said, I would have lost heart. I would have lost heart. I would have given up. I would have thrown in the towel unless, unless I had believed what? that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Don't give up. Don't lose heart. What's that Scripture though? A hundred might fall at my right and a thousand at my left. I'm butchering that or something. (laughs) I'm going to press on. I'm going to be like Joshua, bold and courageous because I know God has already given us the land. He's given us the land. It's our inheritance. And we're going to see things come about in our generation. And Byron gave me a great setup last week talking about revival and stuff because, you know, next week I get to do a back-to-back, you know, since he's gone. So next week I've got this um, thing from Jonathan Edwards on the seeds of revival. You know, he wrote this theology on revival. It's lost in the history books and in the, the theology books in our seminaries. But Jonathan Edwards wrote a theology on revival, and I want to share with you the seeds of revival you know, from that, kind of see what we can glean from it, because this is the fact. He's given us the land, and we're just on the brink. We're just on the brink. So whenever you see bad reports on the news, rejoice. Not in the bad report or in the unfortunate circumstances for somebody, that's real life, but rejoice that even though it looks dark, God's light shines all the brighter. And His revival will never end. And it's going to be a powerful thing. So I'm going to let my beautiful wife wrap this up here. So I think that um, we just want to give everybody a chance to really respond. You know, um, my daughter has this, they went, she went to a VBS at another church and she came home with this um, VBS DVD, you know, their songs, you know, and they have all these motions and, and there's this one song and I was like, Matthew, that, if we could do that one, but it's not, but it just says, stand strong when life changes, stand strong through the ups and downs, stand strong, you know, because God is in control, you know, and I was like, oh, that's just so good, you know, because I'll, I'll be honest, yesterday, Matthew talked about them, he, he didn't, Thank you for not pointing me out. But, you know, he says, sometimes we have bad days. Well, yesterday was my day. It was my day where I was just like, I'm just going to keep my mouth shut today. And he was like, you weren't talking much. I was serious about keeping my mouth shut because not much of my thoughts and my things that were going to come out of my mouth were going to be real good. So I just decided, you know what, today we're going to zip it. Tomorrow, it'll be a new day. We'll dwell on the faithfulness of the Lord 
that got us through yesterday, you know. But I just want everybody to stand up. I just feel like we just want to ask the Lord just to just to give us a fresh revelation on what it means to be in Christ. What he's given us to be hidden in Christ, to be to have died with Christ and been raised with Christ to have that resurrection power living in and through us. And then when I'm done praying, um, if the ministry team, y'all can go ahead and come on up. If, if you are here and you're sick and you need prayer, we want to pray for you. If you have situations that you're facing that you just need somebody to pray and really release that grace, to you and release that breakthrough just praying we want to pray with you if you have never known jesus as your personal lord and savior come forward we want to pray with you because today's the day it's the day now is the time and so we just really want to invite you to come and get prayer and just meet him but lord we just we just thank you lord that you are a good god that you are a good Father, Lord Jesus, and that you're teaching us, that you're teaching us how to walk with you. You're teaching us how to stand, Lord, that you have ahead of us, Lord, an inheritance in the land, Lord, to step forward and to take. Lord, there is inheritance. There's a land of milk and honey that you desire for us to walk into, Lord, but you desire to release the courage to go forth into all the land, preaching the good news, the good news. And Lord, I just pray that you would just release the grace right now just to stand, Lord, in what you have spoken, your promises that are yes and amen, Lord God, yes and amen, Lord. And I just pray for each one of us that you would give us more of a revelation of what it means to be hidden in Christ, to be in Christ, to have, to have died with Christ, to have been raised with Christ, to be completely hidden in you, Lord, and all that comes with that, Lord. We just pray right now for fresh revelation. We just thank you for your goodness. We thank you for what you're doing. We rejoice in you today. We rejoice in you, Father, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So just be blessed, but we would love for to pray with you if any of you have anything in your bodies or any circumstances, anything. If you just want to be prayed for, just for a fresh touch, we'd love to pray with you. So be blessed.